African Dialogue, looking at different events in depth, discussing a variety of issues. What we see here is a clear violation of one, the right to privacy of Tiwonge and uh, Stephen. The position of Greenpeace is that it's been a disappointing meeting. Well, thank you for joining us once again on uh, this Wednesday morning, uh, Central African time. It's 11 o'clock, uh, and uh, thank you for joining us on our frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31-meter band to Southern Africa. Uh, remember, this is African Dialogue. We'll come to you until midday, Central African time, where we look at the big conversations on the African continent. Thank you for joining me, Benjamin Mushatama. Definitely, Africa is the main uh, topic today. As we're looking at the possibility possibility of uh, uh, the revisit of South Africa's government to looking at uh, former President Tawambeki's African Renaissance uh, project. Last week, uh, a newspaper in South Africa, the Mail and Guardian, reported that uh, South Africa's Department of International Relations and Cooperation, Lindiwe Sisulu, had appointed a review panel to evaluate the country's foreign policy and advise on ways to strengthen South Africa's economic diplomacy with other African states. States. It was reported that Sisulu wants former President Thabo Mbeki to preside over the panel. Mbeki's African Renaissance was aimed at ensuring Africa's political stability and economic regeneration, focusing on freeing it from its international uh, debt burden. Well, we're joined on the line by uh, Tamin Tedeni, who is uh, the head of communications at the Thabo Mbeki Foundation. And also we've got Ashantewa uh, Acha Ngidi, who is the founder of the Institute of Africology and also the reference uh, committee member of Africa Month, which is this month, and she was appointed by the Department of uh, Arts and Culture in South Africa overseeing Africa Month events. But let's start with you, uh, time in terms of uh, this issue of uh, the African Renaissance. It's been at least uh, uh, seven years since this African Renaissance uh, mantra has actually been not really in the mainstream of African politics. We know in Tabombeki's time, there were conversations around the African Renaissance promoting inter-trade, African solutions uh, for African problems. But uh, after his reign in his presidency, we haven't heard much of uh, uh, the African Renaissance project. Where are we as we stand, uh, Mr. Ntenteni, when it comes to this African Renaissance uh, project that was initiated by former President Tabombeki? Well, you are correct in what you are saying from the point of view of government, but um, since the establishment of the Tabombeki Foundation, the Tabombeki Foundation, amongst other things, has been um, committed committed to the to the ideal of the African Renaissance. So, if you say from the government point of view, it seems as if the African Renaissance project fell through the cracks. But in so far as uh, the foundation is concerned, we have been continuing with uh, the ideal of the African Renaissance. And President Mbeki, in his capacity, in his private capacity, not as president of the country, has been involved in matters pertaining to Africa. And he has been traveling throughout Africa and uh, 
uh, act mm-hmm. as an emissary sure. of the African Union as and when he is required. Mm. Mr. Tenteni, let's speak about that particular issue of why we've seen the issue of the African Renaissance Project actually become a peripheral in government in the last few years. Is it because uh, of the the issue of the change of policy or just also the approach of um, uh, diplomacy on the African continent? Well, unfortunately, that's a, that's, that, that's a question that refers to government and I wouldn't be able to answer that question on behalf mm-hmm. of government as to exactly what has happened to government. I am aware that as we speak, uh, there has been this report that the new minister of uh, the Department of International Relations has actually alluded to a revival of uh, the African Renaissance Project. But uh, again, I, I am not aware that there has been any formal approach. There has been any formal approach to uh, President Mbeki or to the foundation in that regard. So I mm. really would not be in a position to answer so, that question on behalf of government. Very understandable. But let me take this to you, Ashintewa uh, Achangid, in terms of uh, what the African Renaissance Project actually means. And do you think it still remains relevant in today's um, African approach when it comes to our politics, when it comes to our economic uh, uh, landscape, and also how we uh, do life generally in terms of uh, the African project, uh, in terms of elevating the African um, renaissance in its reality? Well, first of all, let me greet yourself and my fellow uh, panel panelists, and, and also to greet the, the listeners who are listening to us today. I think it's very apt that at this point, Africa is an amazing place because we we have been a illogical people for over a thousand, a thousand years in terms of the bombardment, and so the African Renaissance, which first got its its title out of a, a gathering of Pan African leaders in the early 20s, by the way, saw itself in many places across Africa talking about the word renaissance is the rebirth, as you know. And, and so, and so there has been epochs in our history as Africans where we have tried to bring back the renaissance of greatness, the renaissance of, of, of study, the renaissance of art, and we've seen it across Africa and her diaspora. It is a relevant time that now that we have, uh, for the last couple of years, for some reason or the other, the African Renaissance um, was not given its, its, its prominence like it used to. We were at the center for African Renaissance, and every year we had a, a, a multidisciplinary conference on, on, on the African Renaissance. And indeed, the brother is right when he says, you know, the, the, the Tabo and Becky leadership is an aspect of that renaissance. But it, the, the two reasons why it's important and relevant that we bring by the African renaissance is that it was a continental outlook on how do we do this rebirth not just by ourselves, but with the collective Africa and Africans across the continent and the diaspora. 
And also in terms of uh, how that actually manifests itself is also uh, questionable, Ashintewa, because uh, we have a lot of disparities on the African continent. Uh, There's a lot of questions when it comes to African governments, uh, uh, questions around corruption, questions around leadership. And uh, yesterday we were just uh, uh, really looking at the Burundi uh, situation whereby we're seeing the presidency still wanting to reign for long. Uh, That is another issue that has been uh, uh, a big problem on the African continent of current leaders wanting to stay in power longer than they do. Uh, We can cite the Zimbabwe uh, uh, issue Uh, and also there are many other examples in terms of uh, economic uh, uh, upliftment of uh, people in uh, various parts of the continent since it's facing challenges of poverty and inequality. Uh, So the African Renaissance to the ordinary person on the street can become just a fantasy, almost mythical. I have to agree and disagree with you, my brother, because, you know, media is a very dangerous place sometimes where even though they have to go out there and give us some of the facts, media also forgets that the African people want to be united and the African people on the ground want peace. The African people on the ground want shared economic inclusivity. And so when we have the sputterings of these leadership who have become egotistical, so there's the element that I'm happy you brought. You know, when we look across the continent today, there's no woman in leadership um, that's taking any of the African countries. Mm-hmm. So indeed you're right, because when Africa does not include women in their leadership, um, in terms of taking the lead and making decisiveness in the leadership, it tells me that, we do have a serious issue around the leadership challenge, which is very patriarchal, chauvinistic, misogynist leadership that we have across Africa. But we also have a good story. The good story is like stories like Channel Africa that says, come out and tell us if we are still on the right track. The good story is the young woman in, 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 in Kenya who decided that they want to create their own village because men have become abusive. And until men understand the sacred the sacred way of, of, of behavior towards women, we will have nothing to them. We also have the Africa story that says, look, we know that there are leaders who are, are, are wanting to be leaders for life, but as young people, we're not going to allow it. So we're going to put more on the social media why we want a different kind of African leadership. So so, so I hear you, but I, 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 I know differently mm. because on the ground, we've seen many amazing uh, moves towards this African renaissance. We've seen the artists themselves saying, we don't need only to be funded by government to create art and to speak and to sing. We're going to just do it, you know, and create our own uh, cooperatives around these things. So I'm really on the more inspired as well as very realistic that we are in a patriarchal period, which is almost fall into its knees. Well, let me come back to you, Tammy, on that particular note in terms of, uh, I don't know if the Tabombeki Foundation has, an, has any uh, interaction with the Department of International Relations and Cooperation since we saw this particular report because it became a very big talking point last week when uh, uh, the Minister of uh, the Department of International Re- and, and Relations and Cooperations, Lindy Wesisulu, announced the fact that uh, uh, she wants 
plans to revive uh, this uh, approach by uh, Thabo Mbeki's uh, African Renaissance and saying that she wants uh, uh, President Thabo Mbeki to preside over uh, this uh, panel uh, that will oversee uh, this particular move by the department. Has there been any interactions between the foundation and the department? As I said earlier that uh, I'm not aware if there's been any interaction with uh, either uh, President Chabombeki himself or Mm. with the foundation as yet, because this is a report that appeared in the Mail and Guardian of the previous Friday. Now, uh, also, I think, uh, uh, according to the report, according to the report, there is a panel that is to review um, policy within uh, the Department of International Relations. Mm. I think from the minister's point of view, she is looking at these two things differently because she is saying, according to report, if I read it well, mm. that the African Renaissance, uh, President Mbeki is not is not presiding over the policy review, mm. but it is to again come back and be used as an elder statesman insofar mm. as pursuing the policy sure. of African Renaissance is concerned. I suppose also with other matters pertaining to international relations, because I think the minister does mm. say that uh, President Mbeki is well versed in matters of international relations, both African and also globally. And staying with you, Mr. Ntenteni, is, you know, I'm also intrigued with the idea of, uh, you know, what's the response in terms of bringing back that idea from uh, uh, Tabombeki's initial concept? I know the African Renaissance is uh, something that came before his presidency and him taking that particular role of leading projects such as NAPAD, of actually establishing uh, a streamline within the African Union and redefining aspects of of that. Uh, But from your perspective, how important is it to actually uh, also bring back this concept into the the mainstream of of African politics? But um, as uh, my co-panelist, the lady, has said, it may have have taken a backseat with regard to government at the particular time because of variety of reasons. Mm. But on the whole, as I say, President Mbeki and the foundation have been seized with the question of African Renaissance. Mm. So from that perspective, the African Renaissance, from the point of view of President Mbeki and from the, pres- uh, from the point of view of uh, the Tabo Mbeki Foundation and other former presidents of the country, you, I, I think you will mm. remember, for mm. example, that... Uh, Last year we mm. had um, we had here what we call the African Leadership Forum, yeah. which, amongst other things, discussed uh, the prospects for peace here in Africa and what are the impediments towards attaining mm. sustainable peace here in Africa. So I do not think that it would be correct to say mm. because the African Renaissance ideal for some time took a back seat in terms of the government, Mm. it was no longer an issue. Mm. It has not been like that. It may have happened like that. I don't know because of 
whatever reasons the government may have or maybe certain priorities, mm. but it has never, from the point of view of Tabombeki and from the point of view of the foundation and from the point of view of other African leaders. Mm. I, I remember that, for example, last year we had um, President Obasanjo, yeah, we had uh, uh, Benjamin Mkapa, yeah, we had... Um, uh, a, a, a number of African leaders or former African leaders engaged and seized with the challenges that are confronting the African continent. Well, I'm going to take a quick break and then we'll come back to you uh, both. Uh, if you're just joining us, we've got Tamin Dinden, who's the head of communications at the Tabombeki Foundations. We also have uh, Ashantewa Archangit, who's the founder of the Institute of Afroecology and also is a member of the Reference Committee, uh, member for Africa Month. We know tomorrow is going to be Africa Day and uh, uh, we know that that's a big day. So today we're asking you the question, uh, what does the African Renaissance mean? mean to you if it means anything uh do you think that it's still relevant to do interact with us on our uh, twitter handle at african dialogue or at channel africa one let's take a quick break and then we'll be back after this The two-day Africa Shared Value Summit is modeled on the successful Shared Value Leadership Summit held annually in New York, America. Shift Social Development, the team of women behind the summit, aims to create an annual platform where shared value practitioners can share their stories and influence businesses and brands in the creation of shared value, thus embodying their mantra, Profit with Purpose. On the 24th and the 25th of May, Channel Africa will broadcast live from the event taking place at the Maslow Conference Center in Santin, Johannesburg, South Africa. Tune into Africa Dialogue on the 24th of May at 1100 hours Central African time when we will look at building business for the future. Then on Friday, the 25th of May, join Gateway to Africa also at 1100 hours Central African time for another live broadcast looking at shaping Africa's future. Channel Africa bringing you the African perspective. Definitely. You are listening to Channel Africa. Thank you for joining us on our shortwave service into sub-Saharan Africa on the frequency 9625 kilohertz on the 31-meter band to southern Africa. And remember, we also on DSTV on Channel 802 on the audio bouquet. Thank you to our Pan-African family outside the continent to listen to us on our website on www.channelafrica.co.za. Now, we're speaking about the realization of the African renewal. Nissan's project. We're speaking about this just a day before Africa Day, which is uh, tomorrow. Uh, what does this concept actually mean to you? Uh, remember, uh, Friday, uh, it's, it's going to be on Friday. I'm thinking it's already Thursday, and uh, we want to hear from you. Give us uh, your interactions on uh, our Twitter handle at African Dialogue or at Channel Africa One, where we're asking you this question What does the African Renaissance mean today? Let me come back to Ashentua Archangid, who's uh, on the line. 
Mai. Ashantua, very interesting to see that uh, from Tami's perspective that uh, the continuance of the ideals and the ideas, as you also alluded to, of the African Renaissance have been uh, continuing. And we've seen them entrench themselves even outside the formal uh, spaces of uh, politics and also of academia. We've seen the whole conversation around land restitution in in South Africa, not only in South Africa, but also in different parts of the continent. We've also seen the uh, also big conversation that's happening currently in countries such as Kenya, in countries such as South Africa, of actually uh, re-looking at uh, the education of the African continent and Africanizing even curriculums from uh, uh, primary to secondary even to tertiary institutions. So definitely the notion of the African Renaissance is becoming even more popularized even without outside the conventions of uh, uh, institutions. Uh, I, I can hear you. Um, I'm not too sure exactly what your question is, but I have to agree with, with our brother from um, the Tabo and Becky Institute when he says that indeed the, 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 the nationwide awareness around Africa Renaissance as it was under the time of uh, former President Mbeki, um, it has, the programs are still in place, communities have taken over aspects of it, but I think one of the dangers when we have uh, 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 a high-level personality who is who is leading to the charge and is not any longer around. You know, there's a danger that it gets put aside. But I believe that since former Mbeki left, the African Renaissance has found its rebirth in many different ways. And um, I'm just very. Uh, what I'm clear about is that there are many organizations who have used aspect of the African Renaissance. I think what is key here is to not make it again a theoretic mm-hmm. exercise, sure. an exercise of just university people, because that's one of the dangers I found with the African Renaissance, the Pan African movement, is that. Mm-hmm. We're still only finding it in spaces of university and, 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 and tertiary. We need to go far down because of the history of South Africa. We need to go back to primary schools and to the high schools where it's the discourse around this issue of uh, where are we in the African Renaissance? Because if we have to relook really on what is it that we are giving birth to, what is that renewal of what we're giving, we're going to have to have the community speaking to what it is that they are hoping and expecting from that rebirth. And, and that's interesting that you highlighted because I sent you that exactly the question that I was asking you, the fact that we have seen uh, the issue of uh, the African Renaissance taking its mold in different ways in different parts of the education sector. I mean, when you look at the issue of uh, uh, the, uh, the, the the issue of changing the curriculum in, in the core by students in, in South African universities has been big. It might not be termed as an African Renaissance move, but it does take on and that particular nature in itself. So in different forms, we've seen that in the land restitution conversation in different parts of, of the continent. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. I agree with you. And, you know, the issue of the land is not a new um, issue. The, the, from, from we've been bombarded 350 years ago on the continent uh, by, by the invaders, the land has always been the aspiration of the people from whom it was taken from. I think what we find now, and, 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 and again, the positive side of the media is that 
more people's voices around this can be heard as opposed for it being a political issue it is now it is now more from the grassroots they are calling for land from different uh, you know various places in south africa so pan african the, the the african renaissance by the way has been always been an ideal when pixika seme spoke about i am an african in his in his seminal speech when he spoke of that as a young man, you know, speaking to Africans in the diaspora, he was very clear that Africa must go back and claim. And you saw where people like uh, uh, the great Seme went and got land, and for whatever reason they lost it. But so, so the land issue has always been very prominent in the spirit of our people. And I think it, it, it is a point where now, it is not just a spiritual uh, uh, yearning. It is also one of, of a daily daily livelihood of what do we do without land, you know. But I want to say this also that, you know, I've watched the Tabo and Becky Institute do amazing things with young people. And, 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 and I'm sure that in their module, I've not seen the curriculum or the module, but I know that there's been an amazing work. One of so. the things that we're doing at the Institute of Africology is that we believe that we need to look at how logical are we as African people in terms of understanding where we stand in, in this thing of a renaissance. Because if our people don't get the sense of a renaissance and don't feel it because it is three things, it is the ideological, it is the philosophical, but it's also that livelihood of a renaissance. How do we feel? Tomorrow we go to, we go to Kigali with a group of 24 young people. And the idea in Kigali is that we're going with 24 diverse young people and they're going to be put across communities. Mm. And the idea is that they're going to find people who have similar thinking about what they're doing. And that, for me, is really about the Renaissance, the connecting of African people on the ground without having to be told this is a government mandate. Mm. Well, that's very interesting. And I would like to hear your thoughts, Ms. Ntendeni, on some of the points that Anshantua highlighted there, especially around the idea that we can't always uh, just uh, keep this phrase from in, in, in the academic circles. It needs to trickle down into also uh, the ordinary people on, on, on the ground. What are your thoughts on uh, some of those notions brought forward? Well, I, uh, well, I agree with uh, my sister panelist in as far, insofar as what she has said. I think part of the problem is when one tends to look at uh, African Renaissance in, within a narrow context. It is not it is, uh, it is, it is not it should not be seen mm as in the form of a project that has a beginning sure. and an end. It exactly. is an ongoing process. It is all-embracing and all-encompassing. We're talking infrastructure. We're talking health. We're talking education. We're talking the empowerment of women. And all of these things tie up and make up the concept of African Renaissance, as my sister has said. So I think we need to look at it within a very broad context, because even though, as I say, that it may not have been fined, found reflection in terms of government, or it may have fallen by the wayside, but it is important that now, government is saying, let us revisit the concept because 
it is government that has the resources and the necessary political will in order to drive the process for it to come to fruition. So when governments come back and say, yes, we now realize that and prioritize Mm. the question of African Renaissance because it therefore means we're talking now rejuvenation, we're talking intra-African trade, we're talking education, we're taking all of these aspects that may have fallen by the wayside, which in actual fact, government has the capacity to actually drive. Well, let's uh, uh, try to wrap up the conversation. And I, I, I agree with all of you and the, all the sentiments that you have made and uh, very powerful views in terms of how multifaceted the African Renaissance actually looks. Uh, it's not just about uh, the economy. It's about health. It's about all different, it takes on different forms and also about uh, self-knowledge in, in, in its essence. Uh, but as we wrap up the conversation, I want to come back Back to you, Ashintiwa, in terms of, in retrospect, looking back at uh, what needs to be done better, looking at the current challenges of uh, the continent, and also considering the fact that you highlighted the issue of working with young people, and that's very important since we have such a, a large youth demographic on the African continent. When we revise our way of moving forward with this African Renaissance uh, reality, what more can we do? Well, we're going to have to look at our approach to African-centered education. We're going to have to look at agricultural skills um, of our people. We're going to have to constantly look at the decolonization of education from the day the child starts going into the centers of learning. I believe we have to look at sustainable livelihood and not just employment, but how how much more we can work on our skill of employability, which means that how can we employ people as opposed to we being employed, because we haven't gotten that out of our heads that, you know, having a salary is not a big achievement. Um, we have to look at poverty eradication and socioeconomic integration of the youth. The youth have a task at hand that if we don't eradicate poverty amongst ourselves as Africans, and it's not just poverty of the food, it's poverty of the mind, where we're not allowed to express ourselves in our languages, um, that's another thing. The next generation for me, um, and, and the youth is where my, my interest is, is that they have to be involved with what is the legacy that they are planning to leave and to create, you know, um, for those who are going to come after them? And, in, and, and lastly, you know, African Renaissance must be the driver and must be the philosophical driver behind regional integration, you know, and policy regulation around how we integrate ourselves as Africans across the continent. And i give you an example. I was invited to a meeting of the Indian diaspora. And here we have a case where the Indians in Durban now have an office 
or a person in the office of the Indian diaspora who is collecting information about Indians around the world and how they can do more trade with the Indian diaspora. I mean, it's only Africans who are very apologetical about the fact that we have more than a billion Africans outside of the continent. And so when we talk about inter-Africa trade, we're not talking about the inter-Africa continental trade only, but we're talking about trading with Africans around the globe you know, formally and informally. And those are some of the things that we have to be courageous as Africans, as scholars, as people in tertiary to write more about that African Renaissance integration and the coming together of African people. We are afraid to come together because we feel we are offending people. But I believe if we don't start thinking unity, because in that unity we become billionaires. In that unity we become um, builders of more universities that are pan-African. And 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 and, and, and thus, African Renaissance will be given its rightful place to be studied and to be written about. Mister mm. Denny, your final sentiments. Um, my final view, in so far as this matter is concerned, is that uh, it is important and imperative that uh, we adopt an approach that is Afrocentric by its very nature and by definition. That. Okay. Um, we need to, because uh, it, it, it's, a, it's a contradiction in terms that uh, Africa is, what, is the richest continent in terms of mineral resources, but in terms of uh, the livelihood and uh, the well-being of the people, you do not see that richness in, in Africa. So it means that uh, we need to have a paradigm shift. We need to have to rethink how we as Africans conduct the affairs of the continent because you find that to a very great extent, in actual fact, uh, about a month or so ago, uh, we also had as the Tabumbegi Foundation together with the Euro- in partnership with the European Union, we had a, 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 a small conference on illicit financial flows. And it is amazing how much money leaves Africa through corruption and other tax evasion, etc., which actually would be used for the development of Africa. So as Africans and within the African continent, these are all matters that we need to look into and address because we cannot continue. It is not sustainable that our people should continue dying in the Mediterranean, trying mm-hmm. to cross over to mm-hmm. Europe because they want they are in search of a better mm-hmm. life. We should create that better life for ourselves here in Africa. And that's where the African Renaissance, the rejuvenation of Africa, the revival of mm-hmm. Africa must gain prominence. Well, before we wrap it up, uh, Mr. Ntendene, I know that uh, you have a, a big gathering this uh, Africa Day. Tell us a little bit about what the Tabumbeki Foundation has planned. Well, this, this coming Friday, we are having um, uh, Africa, uh, Tabumbeki Africa, Africa Day. And uh, it's going to be addressed by um, it's going to be addressed by Dr. Pumzilem Lambonuga, who, as uh, your your promo said earlier, is uh, with the United Nations dealing with matters of women. 
Now, the theme of the conference again relates in, in, its, uh, in its framing. It relates to matters of uh, the development of women, the empowerment of women, and the recognition that there cannot be development in Africa with the women in Africa being marginalized, as my sister panelist said earlier. All right, let me get to your plans, uh, Ashantiwa. You are also um, a reference committee member for Africa Month. Uh, Any plans for Africa Day itself? I'm sure a lot of activities will be happening on your front. Yeah, it's just been an amazing month. This evening I will be giving the Conversation for Change lecture at the University of KZN on on the promises and paradoxes of the Mandela legacy. This is going to be hosted by the Mandela Roads um, uh, community at UKZN. And then I leave in the very early morning for Kigali. And uh, from Kigali, I will be will be going with the president on the day after Africa Day to clean up Kigali. As you know, it's the cleanest city in Africa. And um, that's going to form part of our Africa Day event. And then we're going to have a roundtable on social cohesion and lessons learned from, um, I'm going to be facilitating lessons learned that we can get from the genocide of Rwanda and, and, mm-hmm. and, and South Africa, sure. um, how we've been able to deal with social cohesion. Mm-hmm. And then on, when I get back, we'll be doing the lecture at the, the Val University of Technology. When is this? I'm gonna to is Africa unity a reality and okay. that's going to be on Tuesday next week so okay. it, it's a month that is there's many other things happening um, the committee um, is all over the country there are many other events sure. happening across it but most importantly I think what I would like for Africans to do on, on the day of, of Africa Day is eat something African buy something African speak in your African language to your children Buy a child an African book. Make your day, you know, so empowering Mm. that you look forward to the next day, even though we know every day is Africa Day. Well, thank you so much. A fantastic end there from Ashantiwa Archangiri, the founder of the Institute of Africology and also a reference committee member for Africa Month appointed by the Department of Arts and Culture in South Africa. Thank you as well to Tamin Dendeni, who's the head of communications at the Tabo Mbeki Foundation. Thank you both for giving us your insights on this very, very uh, important subject matter. Thank, thank you, you very much for the invitation.